Welcome to the best of the run home with Joel and Fletch. And my stable mate today was the great Andrew Barnett Barney. We got to know Barney a little bit. Gave him an assignment early on as well. Woogie has been going down to the stand-up comedy routine. So we thought we'd get our man Barney to appraise him. Have a listen. Usually, usually the bear of the head variety. He's normally to my right to left on your radio dial. However, the interchange card has come up and the big captain here, Brooks, says, nah, mate, you need a spell. Uh, we're going to bring in the heavy artillery, a bloke called Andrew Barnett, a.k.a. Barney. Hello, Barney. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm excellent. Oh, I'm yeah? just excited to be here, uh, looking for a good early touch, just, yep. you know, just doing the basics. I've been, I've been training at home, yep. uh, preparing for this, just make the missus ask me a few questions. I say, welcome me to the show. And she's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, just, just welcome me. You know, I've got to practice this. The kids are sick of it. Yeah. Um, I've got to do phoners with them most oh, afternoons, you know, <laughs> talk about the school. How was your school day? Yeah. You know, what, what do you think you could do differently tomorrow? Yeah. You know, was it? Different before or after lunch, you know, yeah, that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, no, it's not. It's nice to be doing it for real instead of practising. Okay, so we're going to get today you, uh, Mr Barney, and uh, <laughs> you've already shown you've got kids, you're married. Yep. Valentine's Day, last night, what would you come up with? Mate, uh, I cooked a, uh, you know what I did? I cooked stuffed capsicums on the, uh, on the smoker. Really? What yeah. do you stuff a capsicum with? Uh, so this was sort of, it's almost like a savoury mince type uh, deal yeah, I do so good. a bit of feta, a bit mm. of uh, you get a little bit of chorizo in there. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, it's you real good. The, you got the right replacement, a foodie with a foodie. Yeah, yeah mate, play on. Like this is like. good. Yeah. And, and so I, uh, yeah, threw them in the smoker. Did them sort Sm- of at about smoker. Yeah, 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 yeah. love the smoker. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, did them. Matched it with a bottle of uh, bottle of champagne, um, and just uh, watched. Uh, we watched. Uh, what was nineteen twenty three? Oh. So yeah, I was saying I texted Brooksy. He asked me what I'd done. I said, "Mate, perfect married blokes uh, Valentine's Day." And I got the missus a card that um, sings a Rick Astley song that doesn't stop. So, <laughs> oh, right. So what happens there? So you open the card. You open the card. Yeah. So what you do is you, when you sign it, you you close it. You pull this little tab out of the back. You open the card, and it it starts singing. And then you close the card, and it just keeps singing. <laughs> Does it it, uh, it hasn't stopped. And if to, the only way to stop it's to destroy the mechanism. Oh which, right. Um, my wife wants to keep the card, so she's hoping the battery dies. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if this bloke gives a really bad tip today, I'm going to start to think, is it really not Brian Fletcher? A lot of similarities. Yeah. Now, I'm going to test this man out because he, he's a professional. We like doyens when it comes to this show. And it's about, uh, speaking of destroying mechanism, <laughs> there is a, a lot of Queensland listeners who are texting me about a particular mechanism that may need mm. destroying listening to Sports Day during the week, and I was inundated, absolutely inundated with people talking about a particular segment, a brand-new segment by Boogie and Woogie. And uh, Jason Matthews come up with this. And, and you being the expert comedian mm-hmm. with such a deep background, which we're going to get into, I need you to, Gus Gould-like, break down this play-by-play. Right. Here's the intro. No. It's time for the First, laugh with Jason Matthews. Is, I can't believe I just wandered in. I... He's coming right in. He's going to do a set after me. <laughs> the stage is yours. Chase. There you go. <laughs> okay, right. So okay. people just love this. Anyway, true okay. story. Let's start off. Hey, calm down, Jace. Thoughts. Okay. Um, there's a few rules in comedy. First off, <laughs> uh, you can't be confusing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's uh, look, it's a good, good, good stinger, but yeah. um, it did make me think. 
it did make me think maybe we're flicking channels. Like, yeah. if, you, if you're in the car, you'd be looking at, where's the radio changing on its own? Like, what's going on here? Um, but, yeah, so you, that's the first rule, don't be confusing. Okay, well, let's go back to that. Can we go back to that, Gibbo? Do you mind if – no, can we go back to, the, to that again? Now that we know that we shouldn't be confusing, uh, back to you, Woogie. There you go. <laughs> See, people just love this. Anyway, true story. Let's start off on a positive note. Okay. All right. First laugh. Yeah, yeah first laugh. True story. This, my wife uh, asked me to stop singing. Yeah, great. Firstly, up. no, you can't read no. it off your phone. You've got to just let it flow. Why, why do you do that? You read from a screen every night. I don't read from a screen. Mine is just in my mental <laughs> it's a Rolodex. Rolodex. Yeah. Anyway, my wife asked me, we were in the car yesterday. And yeah. Um, that Oasis song, my favourite song, Wonderwall, came on the radio and yep. she said, can you stop singing that? And I said to her, maybe, maybe you're going to be the one. No. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm glad you start with the show with that, actually, because it can only improve. <laughs> okay, Come so if we it. freeze it right there, Barney. <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, all right, let's revisit the confusing line. Yeah, um, yeah okay. Couple of things. First off, he's getting heckled from the start, yeah. right? Which it's it happens in comedy sometimes. You you're there and you, you do have. It's usually the same bloke, right? Um, it's always the bloke who's sitting there. He's sometimes a bit drunk, but he's always thinking the same thing. He's like, oh, "I know that I'm a dickhead. Yeah. How do I let everyone else know?" And then <laughs> they just shout stuff out yeah. at um at the comedians, and that's what's happened. He's been heckled right off the start. Um, try and stay away from the clip, like true story. This, as soon as you say true story, everyone's like, okay, you made this up. Um, the only other thing I'd say is punchlines have to be, um, well, you don't, you don't want to have to explain it immediately no. after. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I, you know, it's a good, like it had a lot of the elements yeah. of a joke. Um, you know what I mean? There's a setup. Um, not Almost a punchline. So, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a punch, no line. That was probably yeah. what, where you, <laughs> oh, you, you so missed there. <laughs> Barney, Fletcher and I are renowned, um, infamous maybe, mm. for plagiarising um, Stablemates segments. We won't be we won't be plagiarising that one. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, it's, like anything, it's in the execution. You know yeah. what I mean? Don't write it off yet, but, you know, probably probably just needs a little workshop. <laughs> Thoughts, Gibbo? I couldn't agree any more. Woogie, you know, he's out. He's old old news, I think. Oh, gone. Yep. Gone. He's a delay grade. Is he's he? Gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he sent me out of Warwick Farm, but that's a story for another time. So. <laughs> okay, let's get back onto you. Let's get the spotlight. Let's swivel it back to you, Andrew Barnett. And, and we won't go necessarily in order of your life, but mm. we spoke about comedy. Yeah. And you are a comedian. Can you take me back to the very first time you had an opportunity to be a stand-up comedian in a live audience? I couldn't imagine anything worse than that environment. Oh, mate. I, so I I thought I was going to do it just as a bit of a bucket list thing. Um, Did you? It was my first sort of instinct. Um, and I – so it was at a place at the – you know the Friend in Hand pub at Yes, Glee? I do. So they used to run a night – every Thursday night it was called the Mike in Hand. And it was it was uh, um, in Sydney comedy scene. It was sort of a bit a bit iconic, and uh, so I'd sort of decided I was going to try and do it. So I had a friendly bet with a mate of mine that I'd do it by the end of uh, I think it was by the end of the year I'm going to do it. Wow! And then um, so we we started going along, just sort of check it out, watch it. So we go along, and then I finally send this send the guy that ran in an email, just saying I don't know if you ever have newbies, but I, I'd love to give it a go, brand new. And he sent back, mate, we love. 
you know, having first timers have yeah. a go. So he gave me a date and it was the 19th of November, 2009. Wow. And uh, I went down and I was with my, there was two mates that knew I was going to try it. And um, one of them is, uh, he's a, he's a bloke who'd had another friend try it before and it didn't go well. So he, <laughs> he pulls me aside, mad comedy fan, but he yeah. pulls me aside and he says, listen, you've gone over your material. You've prepared well. It's all good. It's all funny. You've got jokes, mate. You're going to go up there. You're going to tell your jokes and let's be like, to be honest, it's probably not going to go very well. <laughs> You're not going to get laughs. You just need to prepare yourself for the fact that they're probably not going to laugh, but just go anyway. And that was his idea of a pep talk. <laughs> yeah. um, and I was like, and as he's finishing that, they're like, all right, our next act uh, is a new bloke, uh, Andrew Barnett. And um, yeah, I went on stage. There were laughs. Were they? Yeah, which becomes addictive. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just sort of like, I just started doing it as a bit of a hobby and then it just became more and more serious and ended up being able to, you know, sort of pay a few bills and have them look back. It's good. Good way. It's better than working for a living. So so now, so you mentioned 2009. So 14 years, Andrew Barnett was speaking about Barney, Half of Barney and the Professor, or the Professor and Barney. Um, no, you had it right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me this, right? At what point do you have the thick skin where you just don't give a rat's? Because I imagine that would be a major part. You'd need to have that. You'd have to run at this game as though you don't give a rat's. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, you need to. Like, I mean, I've, the good thing is you realise once you start doing it, you watch um, – Everyone will have a like every comedian, no matter who they are. They, everyone bombs occasionally, yep. and sometimes it's sometimes it's you know the the room's a weird audience or it's not set right or the, the conditions just aren't suitable for for comedy. Like the audience can be too mm. drunk or whatever it is, and no one does particularly well. And that's that gives you the confidence when you, you know, when you watch guys that you go, this guy really knows, and he's finding this hard. And then it becomes like for me a bit of a puzzle. Like you just you want to learn to solve that problem. Okay, how do I get what I want to say across to these bunch of drunks? And you know, sometimes that just means so it literally means swearing more so <laughs> yeah, that you're on their it. level. Yeah, right. You just drop a few, you know, few choice words in the middle of your in the middle of your jokes, and they're like, oh, this bike's like us. <laughs> oh. So it it's fun. It's yeah, it's just a one of those things. But yeah, you do get to the point where you just walk away and you don't care. Like I've had, yeah, I've had blokes. I I think did I talk, I think I talked about this in the summer thing. I had a gig, a corporate gig, a while ago where I got home and I had a message heckling me in my direct messages on my Instagram, yeah. which meant they looked me up to heckle me. <laughs> so I mean, that's, I mean, a follower is a follower. You yeah, know? no, exactly right. <laughs> you got to have the clout. Praise and blame all the exactly. same. Says Brian Fletcher, comfortable. With being uncomfortable. That's what you need to be, comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's thanks to Premium Tees without the price tag, Perla.com. Who's your favourite comedian? Oh, that changes. Um, I, I like Bill Burr when yeah. he's at his best. He's he's real good. Um, and I thought, like, I don't know he's, I don't know if you saw his last special at Red Rocks. Yes, I did. It was, except, like, that's the most personal I've seen him get to, where he's talking about his daughter and, like, he actually seemed a bit vulnerable. Which is um, like that's where you see guys like that that keep evolving what yes. they're doing. That that's what I, I kind of like to see. That um, there's a guy called Gary Goldman who's got some great stuff too. That um, is just I was showing my it, it's suitable for kids. Um, whoever um, I was showing my mum a bunch of clips over the uh, over uh, the Christmas break of him. So if you look if you want something you can show your kids, Gary Goldman or um, yeah, guy like that. Fantastic. Uh, what about the professor? How did you and professor, how did that marriage form? 
So we, I actually met him when, um, when he was, he was at Fox already. And I was a mate, a mutual friend of ours by the name of Ray Badron, who's, uh, now kicking ass in the UK as a comedian was, um, he used to do the warm up for Matty Johns and then he was sort of getting busy with stand up and, um, stuff and just needed someone to fill in. And I was around Sydney quite a bit at the time. And, um, so he, he said to me, I reckon you'd be good at this. Do you want to come? have a go at doing the warm-up. So I started doing the warm-up and then at that point, James was doing the first sort of year of the, well, the first year I did it, he wasn't, he was doing not the NRL news, but he wasn't on screen. Yes. And then he was, um, then after that he became, he was doing it on screen and I just started, you know, pitching joke ideas at him. And then when he got his own show, I was doing that and he said, do you want to come do some writing? Cause I was throwing a bunch of joke ideas. So I started doing that. And then the next year, the, it was the uh, the NRL store, and then um, then the cricket came around, and they said, "Do you guys do you want to do? You guys would you want to be on the panel with me, co-host?" And yeah, and then that was the Night Watchman, and the year after that, we did a late hit. So, how did you find the first t- your TV debut versus comedy debut at a club? Oh, TV, it was pretty. I I think the the thing with the TV debut, I was real nervous because I hadn't done that before. And I was sort of, I'd written the script for the NRL store. I was reading off auto cue, doing it, um, you know, doing it there. But the, the thing with that was that, um, I'd been doing the warm up as well. When I, when I used to do the NRL, so I'd do the audience warm up and then go stand over in my, in my spot, do my thing and go back to doing the audience warm up, which meant I didn't really have too much time to get nervous or too much time to think about it. I think that was probably a good thing in the end. Um, cause yeah, otherwise you just spend all your time getting in your own head going, oh, I know, have I got the script right? All that sort of stuff. Whereas I just didn't have time by the end of it to, to get too nervous. P- Peter Overton, who's an absolute gun channel on, of course, he's the anchor there. He once asked me, he said, do you use, I heard you don't use an auto cue. I said, well, he said, why? I said, well, I, I, a, I'm not very good at it. I'm, I'm really, really bad at following the auto cue. And the other thing is for what I'm doing compared to what he's doing, where he's just got to nail every single, yeah, you know, it's a serious thing. For me, I'm talking to people who are just knockabouts, you know, in a pub and what I'm doing is less serious. Um, and the other thing is, which my dad gave me great advice, which would apply to a lot of comedians. He said, mate, he said, if you stuff up in life, he said, yes, people will heckle you or, or go into your inbox as was the case with you and, and troll you. He said, but at the end of the day, the moment they've sent that, they actually don't give a rat's ass about you. Like Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey rather, is a huge star. Mm. Front page of the paper, that's all the talk. But how much of our own lives are we actually thinking about it? We're not. We're all so consumed in our own lives, yet so many people get so consumed about what other people think. Brooksy, you wanted to ask the great man a question. A couple of questions ago, you were talking about Bill Burr, and it's like you've seen these comedians, particularly the ones that are starring, you know, and doing really good things at the moment, like Ricky Gervais, Bill Burr, uh, Mark Maron, Anthony Jeselnik have these podcasts or these shows that gives them an extra opportunity to sort of test material or just conversate for two, three. Some of these podcasts are very long. Do you find, and I know you've been you've been doing stuff with us and you've done a few podcasts. Do you find this sort of, I guess, this new age of podcasts being really a, a developmental sort of new era of comedy because of this next like 
Like, is the question, do I have a podcast? No, no, no. I certainly do, Brooksy. No, no, no. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, do you find that now that, you know, podcasts have taken off, these guys are just gone next level because they're spending so much time behind the mic. You know, they've got a few people on their shows. Bill Burr is just ranting for most of his podcasts, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. But do you find that's been really good for yourself and other people that you've been working with, being able to do these two-hour interview podcast-style things that be able to develop your routine? Yeah, the, the podcasts are another just way to get your sensibility out into the world, I suppose. Like, you know, because you're not really all the time doing material on the podcast. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree. But the other thing that's seen now is like that was that almost that generation of guys that got big old podcasts. Now there's you're seeing guys come through like your yeah, Mark Normans, Joe Lists. Um, those guys are getting big off clips online, yeah. so they're they're on the they're on like um, Instagram reels TikTok, and all that TikTok, sort of stuff, that yeah. sort of stuff. And so their clips. So I was actually I did a night down at um, Cronulla uh, a little while ago where it was basically me and then they had another guy who were sort of more established and then it was mostly just brand newbies and I hadn't met most of them. But one thing I noticed out of that was a lot of them are writing, like it's like you realise when you, when you start comedy like anything, you, you wear your influences on your sleeve. Like yeah. you, you can see what people are interested, what got them interested in doing comedy and you could see the way these guys were writing there. Everything was in 15-second chunks. And I'm like, oh, you've watched oh, this. Oh, you're on TikTok. You, yeah. That's where you've got introduced to comedy. Yeah. Whereas for me, it was being in, you know, going and watching the room and you'd watch a the, – the fascinating thing was to watch the headline and do 45 minutes at the end. And they used to do longer stories. That's sort of at the moment, everything's getting sharper and punchier. It seems to be the trend in the rooms. And that's what's happening in music because mm. of the streaming services and what they're doing. Artists are being told to do shorter songs. Because you're not hearing these Led Zeppelin Cashmere eight minute or November Rain Guns N' Roses style long songs. You're hearing these short like two minutes because you know what? More people are going to be listening to your tracks because of the streaming services. You're getting more hits, more mm. numbers. Like, and that's that's a funny thing about comedy because you see on Instagram and TikTok how many like one-liners are just being thrown out there that need to be engaging, then they're going to get you followers and people that want to watch your special on Netflix or Stan or Amazon or wherever. And it's so important to be concise and just straight to the point now because that's your promotion. That's such a big part of promoting you as a stand-up comedian. Yeah, which is which is the one thing I would say on that is it's interesting because, you know, now like I'll go after this, I'm going to do an, a comedy room in the city and you that they film where I'm going, they film everything and they'll give you the clips. And often like I'll find that, you know, what works in the room doesn't clip up yeah. perfectly because f- for, to get the audience engaged, you need to sometimes take a bit of time, pause yeah. and then you watch it back and you go, Oh, this as a clip doesn't really translate. So, so stand up comedy, I will say if you watch any clips online or anything, go see it wherever you are, go see it live somewhere. Just even find your local comedy night. If a pub puts one on or whatever, um, especially if you don't know the comedians, there'll be some crap, but there'll be something gold in there. <laughs> like, I'll be honest. Like yeah. it's the, the barrier to entry for uh, open mic stand-up comedy right. is yeah. anyone who's delusional enough to think that they're funny. So you get people <laughs> who who aren't that funny, but it's it. But you go along, and because no matter what, like you watch the the best special, like you know on Netflix, your favorite comedian special on Netflix, you can watch it and you might laugh out loud like mm. a handful of times, but if you were in the room that night, yeah. you go home with sore ribs because it's a, it's a, it's a live yep. thing, which is why it's, it's sort of fun. And it, it is, it's hard now. Cause you, you sort of, 
because of all these opportunities, you you can't just be a stand-up. You've got to be a stand-up, a podcaster. A, you've got to edit. You've got to, you've got to be able to run yeah. your own social media machine, which I'm hopeless. <laughs> okay, we need to break. Just before we do, quick question from the Gibbo. Yeah, 21 questions to Barney. Uh, so, <laughs> look, I, I know, like, uh, people who play in bands and actors, they sort of have groupies. Does that exist in the comedy <laughs> oh, world? hello. <laughs> no. Do- um, not really. I, I, mind you, I used to work... Quite a bit with um. So Sam Taunton, who may you may have oh, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. From, he's on the project yeah. now. A real good looking kid, real good looking yeah. dude. Okay. And I remember talking to him one day. He's like, oh, just no. You know when you you leave a gig and there's like you know some chicks in your DMs about the, was it the gig? I'm like, <laughs> no, <laughs> Sam, that has never happened, mate. <laughs> so there are, I think individually, some people get groupies, and you, I think some people get. Like, you know, you get fans that are, want to engage and will send you messages and that sort of stuff. But it's not like – I don't think there's anyone – also, there's no glamorous backstage limo waiting for comedians. It's mostly just, <laughs> you know, you're lucky if you've got a green room in half the rooms <laughs> yeah. you do, you know. Uh, people Googling the image of Sam Taunton, <laughs> terrific as we speak. Uh, look and feel your best with Perla Tees, premium tees without the price tag, Perla.com. We're very lucky that they have the great Andrew Barnett. Barney, he's going to take us through the next two and a half hours or so. Kirsty Stanway, the Beaver. They'll join us all the way from SENZ. Corey Parker from Fox League. And, of course, the coal miner, Shawnee Omron, to break him back with more. Welcome back to the best of the run home with Joel and Barney on this Wednesday podcast. Uh, plenty to talk about, particularly the cricket. So we got stuck right into the willow and the leather of the ball. Have a listen to this. What do you reckon, Barney? And I know you're a bit of a cricketing doyen. This women's World Cup, well, this women's cricket team, pretty sharp. Mm. Uh, who's the... Which sporting team in Australia comes to mind immediately when you think dynasty, powerhouse, those sorts of things, in any code? Uh, so this women's team, uh, like I think they've had the drop on a lot of um, other international teams just purely because, partly because we've got amazing talent in that team, but also the Australian um, team have been professionalising for a lot longer than most mm. of the other teams. I think India are coming through now. Um, very well because it's the women's game sort of picked up over there and we saw that in the the little series the mm. um, girls had against them in India where the crowds were insane. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so dynasties, I don't know. Like I tend to think, I mean, I I think the Scorchers are probably there in the BBL at the moment. Yeah. They seem to just every year be there or thereabouts. Um, I don't know, rugby league, we've, well, we've had a few good. Well, the Panthers. The Panthers are, are sort of. It depends what happens the next couple of years before you, whether you start to say dynasty. Because, yeah. I mean, the Storm had their their sort of run where... Similar once again, run. Similar, where they're there and thereabouts for a long time. But, mm. I mean, that's what I like about the salary cap, though, in the rugby league. Otherwise, if you didn't have that, mm. you'd, you'd end up with just the Panthers be keeping all their stars and, you know, we, we'd be looking at this for the next 10 years and, you know, St. George fans would be... Starting to worry about that record. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Barney, you love your cricket, as I mentioned. Yes. W- what would you do? And, and you play cricket. You are an aficionado when it comes to it. Some say a doyen. <laughs> w- what would you What would you do, honestly, with this Australian team? Well beaten. Do you give them a chance and send them back out and say, boys, you've been absolutely lambasted from pillar to post. Get yourselves out there and turn things around. Or did they get it wrong in the first place? Um, I, I don't think you panic. Like that, obviously, like I, we can whinge about the wicket all we want. Both teams play on it, but that was designed to highlight the Australians. Like we've got a lot of left-handers. Yep. 
Um, so you're gonna you're gonna try and trouble them by having that the basically the patches outside off or the left hand is off stump, so it's turning into them. You're gonna target them, but um, I mean, I personally I hate that the so like that sort of pitch doctoring. Yeah, I do and too. Every I mean, and the, the the thing you hear all the time is, oh, everyone does it. And that's true, but it doesn't mean we all should. Like, I personally think that pitch at the Gabba earlier in the year was a disgrace. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, don't, like, especially in India, like, previous, like, years ago, they would have had a couple of warm-up matches before they'd got to this point in India, but the current calendar never allows that. So first test, I don't think you can read too much into it other than they were well beaten. There's some stuff they go away and work on. I don't think you hit panic stations at this point, though. Rumour Tuesday, Brooksy said there'd be a big scalp as far as team selection is concerned. So immediately you think big scalp, Nathan Lyon, David Warner, Kawaja, they're probably the three as far as big scalp is concerned that come to mind. Do you believe that one of those three will be absent for the second test? Uh Probably not. I wouldn't have thought. Maybe, I mean, if any of them are going to go based on reason, recent selections, it'll be Kawaja, just because he seems to be on the on the the thin end of the wedge mm. more more than the others. I don't see him dropping Warner at this stage. Like, what? What's the like? Why would you have taken him? Yeah. At this stage of the career, you need the experienced guys who um you know who can sort of dig in and get stubborn. And if anyone sort of plays well to prove a point. He's got that rugby league player's attitude. Yeah. You know how rugby league players, they <laughs> yeah. always play their best when someone's told them they're, yep. they're no good. So I wasn't good like that. I needed to cuddle. <laughs> now, honestly, yeah. I, I, there is a lot of uh, players, and Wayne Bennett's good at this. Jamie Soward is a player who needed to cuddle. So yeah. so Jamie Soward um, wasn't playing to his best. Wayne Bennett turned up, and he knew that Jamie Soward, and, and as I said, I was similar. He, he wasn't a player who would respond to getting bagged or criticised. He needed to be uplifted in the cuddle. And that's what some players could do. However, David Warner, which you're alluding to, he may love backs to the wall. Yeah, David Warner, I think, loves that siege mentality. Yeah. Everyone's written me off. They don't believe in me. I'm going to prove them wrong. Whereas I think Kawaja probably is a bit more like Give me he cuddle. cuddle. Yeah. Um, and as for dropping Nathan Lyon, you're not dropping Nathan Lyon. Like he's our, he's our incumbent spinner, like wherever you go in the world. But the record in India is... It's not great, but... No. I mean, none, none of, no one's got a, well, I mean, better record. What are you going to do? Put a couple of, like, yes, Todd Murphy bowled well. But, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of careers that go to the subcontinent. You spin, you bowl spin, you get a big, big, day uh, big day out, and then you don't have much of a career after that. Nathan Lyon's the experienced spinner there. So whether he's, I mean, as long as he's not going for heaps and, um, and you know, basically being totally ineffective, then you, he's there helping the other guys too. Like he's the senior player. Like you need in the team the senior mm. spinner. He's been there. He's done that, and he's got a bit of that stubbornness too. I I don't think, like I thought, you know, AB coming out and having a crack at the the attitude of the blokes where Steve Smith's given a thumbs up after the ball goes past the the outside edge of the bat. Like yeah. who cares? That's right. Like it's Steve Smith. He's, exactly. He knows how to bat. You know, like don't don't like. They I don't... thought I thought when I first saw it, he was being a smartass, like like as if he'd been getting sledge, and he was going, "You're yeah. right, champ." But he was just saying it was a good bowl. Yeah, and because Steve Smith's a cricket nerd, yeah, he, he likes watching good bowling, <laughs> yeah. even if he's the idiot facing. It. I think that's the that's the thing. But yeah, I don't, I I just don't think it's we 
we we really have short memories when it comes to cricket. Like summer, we have this great summer. The the guy, the team's dominant. They end that uh, end those two series with comprehensive wins, and then we go overseas where it's completely different. They they on a pitch that's you know been set up for them to fail. Yeah. Everything's against them. They're in a like they're in a country where that you know it's very um, different sort of conditions. So then you're going to take some time to adjust. It didn't go well. You're coming up against a side too that are phenomenal in the Indian side. So it's a challenge. It's supposed to be a challenge. Can Just, I ask you this question? We do need to break, but can I ask you this question? And I, I, I need to know, as a math sort of head, I need to know the answer to this. Yep. The coin toss. It seems to me that the coin toss, you have to bat according to everyone out there. And if you don't, you're an idiot and open yourself up to get bagged. Do you think the stats, if you just went through every test match, would it be a massive advantage sliding to the team who had batted first, or is it a bit of a myth? I think that if if you just went, oh, in general, like bat first is a myth. I think, though, the coin toss, like there are there are advantages to winning the coin toss. So on that pitch in India, that was already sort of looking like it was breaking apart day one. So you got to think, okay, if we're going to win this bat in second, we're going to have to bat deep into day five potentially. Mm. So if it's breaking up on day one, by day five, it's incredibly hard to bat on. So that's where, you know, there are advantages. But then there's other times too when, you know, it's a real green top and overhead conditions, you know, you're in England and overhead conditions, the ball's nipping around every which way, where sometimes it's better to bowl first and, you know, Get wickets, get them out cheaply, and you're good. Welcome back to the best of the run home with Joel and Barney for this particular podcast. We went to our team over there at SENZ Beaver and the soon to be married Kirsty, and we spoke all things marriage. Stable are joining us now from across the ditch, our absolute favourite, the brilliant Barney and Joel. Barney, as I was saying before, mate, you've got to stop dismissing the black caps. Mate, it's in my nature. You know what? I hear about them and I yeah. just go, dismiss them. <laughs> Just yeah. here with your black caps. Oh, oh, there's the beaver. Kirsty must be there as well. How are you guys? Good afternoon. Uh, we're great. Mate, how are how are the black caps looking in this? Uh, war- well, I'm seeing it as England's warm up for uh, the Ashes. Um, can you do some damage, please? Oh, look, we're a training run. Apparently, according to their uh, travelling media, an absolute training run, and uh, it doesn't help that we're potentially leaving our best player out of the side because, well, he's. I don't know why he's not playing, but uh, he's he's going to be down the road about two k's watching his you boys. You he's going to turn up? He's not going. He's not. No, going no going. way. No, no way. Uh, and Trent Bolt. So yes, we're on a hiding to nothing. If you believe some of the hype and hoopla around this English team, the only but hoop- Beaver has just put money on for this test not to go more than three days, paying twelve bucks at the TAB. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, it's yeah. a green top. It's yeah, a green yeah. top. Three dollars fifty sports bit, I think. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Now, um, what about this, Barney? What about this? Going to the chapel. Oh, I don't know if she's going to a chapel, actually, but uh, that's how the song goes. And she's going to get she's married in Queenstown. <laughs> Queenstown, which I still believe, for all Australians, is the most underrated, unrecognised place in the planet. It is a magical place. And our girl, Kirsty, is heading there to get married. Is that right? Yeah, what do I do? Have you got any advice for me on the wedding day? Because we're three days out and uh, I've got absolutely no idea. Okay, here's some of What's your husband-to-be's name? Gareth. Gareth. And okay. I don't know why we didn't uh, get a wedding planner. No, well, Gareth, here's what you need to do is <laughs> to ensure that um, my 
uh, a mate of mine, my best mate actually, he forgot to bring my ring or oh what for the wedding. Yeah, so that's that's a good start, Gareth. Maybe make sure that you got the ring there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything that you see on Married at First Sight, just do everything mm. other than that, I'd suggest. <laughs> I, I, I always give the bloke this advice, is just make sure on the day you get good wedding photos, um, which is because they're the memories, right? Yeah. My wife made sure we got good wedding photos, and my instinct on the day was let's get the reception started. But no, now the wedding photos <laughs> hang in the house. That's my attitude towards yeah. this thing. Yeah, well, you've got to get the wedding photos, Kirsty, because like, my wedding photos now hang in my house, and I'll still every now and then just be walking down the hallway and I'll stop and I'll look at those photos and I'll think to myself, wow, I had sex that day. <laughs> and um, <laughs> you know, after a few years, you just sort of need the memories, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to ask the Beave this and yourself. So, so three of the quartet here on this conversation have been married, right? Mm. And you're about to join us, Kirst. Um, now, the question I have is this. Had you, how long have you been married, Beef? Uh, <laughs> six. That wasn't five, a hard question. Five years. Five oh, years. Five year anniversary, oh. was it? Okay, five, quick, five years. Barney? Fifteen. Fifteen. Twenty for us, 15. right? Fifteen. If you had your wedding this week, and yep. I think kids play a major part in this, how many from the original wedding as a percentage, Ooh. would be at the new wedding. Ooh. Ooh. Great question. Yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, probably, I reckon it'd be maybe. We had a lot of family, so I think they'd probably still make the cut, most of them, <laughs> um, the ones that are still with us. And uh, yeah, probably I'd be at 60%. Oh, that's good. Maybe. That's beef. What would you say? Yeah, I was, I was on the back end of the career still. So you know what it's like <laughs> when you're in a team? You feel like you have to yep. bite everyone to your Correct. piss up. Um, I would probably be, I'd be similar to Barney, maybe between that 60 to maybe 70%. That's there's high. A few, there's a few definitely gone, I can assure you. So you're still <laughs> having 300 people at your wedding, beef. <laughs> Well, he's got to put all his SEN you yeah, know, family yeah, in there yeah, now. Yeah, you know, you're right. obviously flying Joel and Fletch across yes. for the wedding, that sort of, of stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, it might be about 30, I reckon, honestly. 30%. But, but, we're 20, but we're 20 years down the track. Yeah. And when you've got four yep. kids, four kids, lots of friends plus parents, your whole life just goes down a different path. It, it, is, yeah. it is quite amazing how that audience changes. Welcome back to the Best of the Run Home with Joel and Barney. Uh, Fletch, of course, he'll be back very, very shortly. But we caught up with uh, a stablemate of his at Fox for Supercoach. Supercoach is starting to fire up for the Rugby League. Corey Parker, he is the face of that. And here's what Corey had to say. Where Supercoach starts to fire up, Corey Parker is the ambassador. Barney, when it comes to Supercoach and the Superman's on the line. G'day, Corey. Afternoon, guys. How are you going? Mate, I just realised, Corey, geez, time flies. You've been retired. Yeah, this is I the know. seventh season without Corey Parker. I know. how It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, the game just keeps on turning with or without you, and you, you're spot on. Time does fly. My daughter turns 13 uh, next week, so it's like, where did all that time go? But um, uh, the great game still continues to go, and there's always plenty to talk about. With or without you, I just, <laughs> just got that into my head, yeah. mate. How's things going, Corey? What do you know? What's uh, we'll get into Supercoach very, very shortly. But is there any part of your 347 NRL games, which is, in itself is just remarkable? Is there any party that just wants to get that extra three? 
Uh, well, it'd be nice, wouldn't it, to give it a nice round number of 350, but um, wasn't to be. Um, little part of me, Gal got 348, so he always sort of lets oh. me know about that. So, yeah, that, that that's sort of one little area. But um, I'm obviously a big season ahead, 2023. I mean, there's plenty to talk about already. I can't believe we're uh, week two into a pre-season challenge and it's only the start of February. Um, so, I mean, we all got a taste on what what is to come last week but um to be fair we're probably going to get a real indication of where things are at this week most teams are going to put their stronger suit forward obviously then a week off and into round one so uh plenty to look forward to um but um also you know there's plenty of young guys that got an opportunity that um will certainly be looking to uh instill their uh you know spot in the side come round one yeah we're chatting with Corey parker now Corey parker of course many many years under the great wayne bennett Look, everyone's tipping them for the wooden spoon, Corey, but mm. I play the coaches a lot, and I think the coaches have a major say in teams. There's no part of me that thinks the Dolphins will get the spoon. Could you see that happening? Oh, I could see it happening, mm. to, to, to be honest. Um, could it, Will it happen? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I think there'll be a, a pretty heavy battle between those bottom four. Um, I mean, you look at the, the season, the way it unfolded last year, the top six and the bottom six were polar opposites. Mm. Um, and you throw another team into the mix, so you dilute the players somewhat, um, which is what you need to move forward with the product. But um, if you just look at the, the Dolphins team, um, it's a team that suggests to me that they're going to be, probably be in the bottom half of the competition, which no one expects them to yeah. go too much higher than that. So I think that's okay. But, um, you know, for the Bulldogs in 2021, they won three games in a wooden spoon. The Tigers won four games in a wooden spoon. So you'd think the team who gets a wooden spoon this year uh, will win five games. Now, if you don't get the wooden spoon, you're going to win at least six, seven, eight, nine plus games. Now, if that's the case, who do the Dolphins beat that many times? Um, I don't know. But, Warriors? I mean, from what... Yeah, well, the Warriors... The Knights, Titans, oh, the Dragons. <laughs> um, you know, so there's there's a stack of teams you could probably throw in that conversation. Um, but from what I saw on the weekend, you did one of Wayne Bennett's, you know, strongest sort of traits within trying to get his team is, is he just wants them to compete. And they certainly did that. Um, albeit against a, a much lesser side in the Cowboys. But this week we'll get a really good indication of where they're at. What about the hoo ha about Wayne not going to the game? Like I, I personally couldn't give a rat's but what what did you make of that? Yeah, look, I, I'm a bit the same because I know Wayne personally, and, and I know you know he wouldn't even blink an eye. Yeah. Like it, it wouldn't would not surprise me if he doubles down this week and doesn't turn up this week either. Oh, um, oh please, the Wayne week, do the, that. The week before he was in Gladstone, yeah. um, which there was a trial game. A lot of it wasn't on TV, so people didn't weren't aware of it. He went to Gladstone, um, but I would not be surprised if he doubles down and, and isn't there this week and then turns up next week. It's just Wayne Bennett how he is. He's probably got a few things on, mate. He's a busy man. Yeah. yeah, what's he getting up to on a weekend that he can't go to the football? Oh, is he mad yes. for an afternoon barbecue? What's his What's his go, Corey? <laughs> afternoon barbecue, I doubt it. I've only had one barbecue in the, the whole time I've met uh, known Wayne. That was at his house, and he didn't cook. But um, it, it uh, mate, he's got cows. He's got a property. But like to be fair, he's probably just pulling the eyelids down, have a little rest. That's what he does best. Hey, hey, Corey. Uh, uh, Good spy of mine said the 2010 grand final of the Dragons, I was desperate to know, you know, what was the halftime speech of the great man Wayne Bennett? Because they were sort of floundering a little bit mm. against yeah. the Roosters. And, and the person said, look, to be honest with you, mate, it was just business. It was quite calm. There was no big yeah. sort of Al Pacino, any given Sunday yeah. speech. Yep. You win the comp in 2006 with Wayne. 
what do you recall his sort of demeanour or speech to you guys pre and half time of the match? Yeah, that, again, experience brings this, doesn't it? I mean, Wayne understands um, better than most uh, where his team's at and what they do and don't need. And the last thing the team needs at different stages is for someone to stand up and rant and rave because you just don't get the desired outcome. Mm. Um, I go back in 20, uh, 2006. Um, the week before that, we were down 24-6 or 24-4 at half time to the Bulldogs in a prelim final. Um, and we went into the sheds at half time and Wayne just sort of looked around casually, just sort of checked on everyone's health, everyone, yeah, hey, all okay, yep, all good. And all he said, I, I remember it clear as day, as he said, you can go out, you've got two options, you can go out there and watch this season just go away or you can go out there and play like the Broncos. That was it. Wow. And we went out there, we won the second half, and from that time, from that moment when we won the second half, I just knew we had that sort of galvanised sort of team where we're going to go out and win uh, the, the following week, which were heavy underdogs. Yeah. So sometimes it's not about what you say, it's sort of not what you say mm. at different stages. So I, I'm sure, Wayne, um, I mean, when you look at Wayne, it's, it's incredible to think. I mean, because most people in their early 20s, when they're dealing with a 73, 74-year-old man, it's their granddad. But his ability, that's the reality, but his ability to, um, uh, I I guess, get on the same wavelength as a 17, 18-year-old and talk a bit of smack and talk shop with 18-year-olds is quite incredible. He's, He's been able to adjust and change with the times, which is why he's still doing what he's doing. How does he do that? Is he on TikTok? Is he on? What, is he into the stuff that the kids are doing? Is he secretly just a young bloke at heart? Down at the skate park? He, yeah. is, he is secretly just a young bloke at heart. He loves a good chat on a Monday morning and getting, you know, trying to source out what's been happening over the weekend and who's been up to what, etc. I think you know where I'm going with that. But, um, <laughs> um, but I mean, at the end of the day, he's obviously a, a man that's been in the game over well three quarters of his life. Um, uh, so he, he gets great results and great success and, and great respect out of anyone who sort of comes across Wayne. But he, he, he also has the ability to pull the wool over pretty much everyone's eyes. Yeah. Mm. I mean, don't, make no mistake, Christian Wolfe and, and Nathan Feeney be doing a lot of that coaching that's going on there. And Wayne will just be the front man and that's that. Yeah, they won't be running last. I can guarantee you that. Uh, <laughs> he's the super coach and you're the ambassador for supercoach.com.au. Just before we get into that, Corey, any ambitions yourself? You've been playing all this super coach, leading the way of super coach. Any ambitions yourself of actually being a super coach in the NRL? Do you have that in you? Yeah, I do, mate. I've, yeah. Well, this is this year now is the first year I haven't sort of um, been involved in a coaching mm. capacity. Until then, I was doing stuff with the Broncos. I was doing stuff with the uh, Queensland 18s. I love it. I yeah. love just having having an influence and you know passing on. I suppose those little ideas and, and traits that you had as a player and. Um, you know, pulling apart defensive lineups and trying to work out ways and how to make people better. So, yeah, I do love that, and it's an area I do want to um, continue to explore.